Welcome to the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast, where we explore popular practices, songs, and ideas in the modern church world in light of sola scriptura and tota scriptura. I'm Cody Fields, the president of the Noseminster family of guitar effects. Check us out at westminstereffects.com and make sure you join the Westminster Effects Doxology Podcast Lounge on Facebook. Uh, Bradley is on a short-term missions thing that we'll get him to... Uh, to fill us in on when he gets back. So uh, instead, I'm only joined by... Hey, everybody. John Ross here, Westminster Effects artist, church nerd, and uh, uh, Augsburgian Christian. I, I think <laughs> I'm, I'm exploring alternative names to uh, to Lutheran. I've, I've been inundated Fair with enough. Lutheran this and Lutheran that for the last week, and I'm kind of kind of over it. Uh, so yeah, kind of yeah, so working about some things that. out. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I guess this kind of works into you know church this past week. Um, so after the Summer Nam show, I, uh, I packed up and uh, continued my epic road trip in the American Southeast down to Tampa, Florida. Uh, Florida is not a good smelling state. I guess I just figured it would smell like <laughs> oranges and ocean, you know, like a. Like why one do you of those think we have fresheners. all of the? Uh, why do you think we have all of the Florida man news headlines? <laughs> I know, right? It it just smells bad. Anyway, so I was in Tampa for about a week, uh, serving as a voting lay delegate uh, for. Uh, the 67th regular convention of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. Uh, it's pretty much the uh, the triennial governing uh, meeting of our church body uh, to go over anything from uh, standard business, you know, bylaw changes, resolutions, things like that, um, taking stances mm-hmm. on this and that, affirming altar and pulpit fellowship with uh, other church bodies worldwide. And the theme of this year's uh, convention was Joy Colon Foley Lutheran. And gotcha. joyfully, absolutely. And Joy and then Foley Lutheran, clever. Um, I'm kind of just done with the whole, like, I'm a Lutheran. I have Lutheran pride. Nah, 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 nah. Um, <laughs> I mean, shoot. Join the Lutheran club. Right. Drink Kool-Aid. I know. Well, especially because some of the uh, some of the teachings of the uh, of the the Lutheran understanding, the Lutheran confessions, the Augsburg uh, the Augsburg Confession, the Formula of Concord, things like that. You know, they they do reinforce the idea that, for instance, in the Lord's Supper, you know, it is the true presence of of. Uh, uh, the body and the blood, which is is a debated topic within Christendom, and, and we get that. Um, but we hold fast that uh, because of uh, you know, God doing the doing and, and saying saying that it is, it is. And because of that, we take Paul's guidance um, in his epistles to heart, in which you know you are not to receive the sacrament unworthily, uh, mm-hmm. lest you drink to your judgment. And uh, because of that, you know, we have some practices um, called like close communion or some churches practice closed communion, uh, which essentially means that if you are a church that practices closed communion, that only members of your own congregation uh, can commune with you. Others are close in which that others uh, of the Senate, those who uh, or or other church bodies that you have altar fellowship with may uh, commune with you. And then there's also... Um, the more not quite open, where it's like, everybody come on down, but it's, do you affirm these truths? That, right. uh, you know, do, you, do you affirm uh, the Apostles' Creed? Do you affirm that, uh, you know, that Christ has, uh, has done the work of your salvation in your stead? Uh, do you affirm that this is his body and blood? And then you're like, yeah, then come on down. And that's what we do at 211 and Christ Lincoln as a whole. Um, so when you start thinking about this joyfully Lutheran and Lutheran this and Lutheran that, uniquely Lutheran, all over, all over the place is this language. <laughs> and then you also start talking about restrictions for admission to the Lord's Supper in context of Lutheranism. It's, 
it just gets a little disheartening. And so I've been I've been struggling with that on like a heart level. Um, on you know, I, I understand the the benefits that having a united church body can afford. Um, I understand um, wanting to ensure you know doctrinal rigidity um, in our in our teaching and in our practice, and, and you know I get that. And based upon our understanding of the Lord's Supper in this case, you know, wanting to make sure that we are shepherding and discipling, discipling people properly, um, but. All too often, conversations boil down to, if you're not Lutheran, you know, hit the highway. And, and I understand that Lutheran, and the word Lutheran is, is really just a description of what we understand and how we understand what Scripture yeah. has revealed to us. But at the same time, it's become, and I've talked about this before on previous episodes, it's become its own identity with things like Marty right. parties and... Um, you know, really going after the Reformation Sundays and a mighty people saying a mighty fortress is the best hymn ever written. Totally not, but it is nice. Um, <laughs> you know, it, it just it it, it so, it, so what you're saying is that the next at your next denominational convention, just for that, you're going to be brought up on heresy charges. Oh, I guarantee for for denying a mighty fortress is our God as the best. <laughs> be it resolved. Therefore, be it resolved. <laughs> you know, it, it basically seems like a really good idea um, because I'm all for being, you know, soundly reformed or soundly Baptist. Like hold your hold your distinctives. Um, there is a uh, there's a ligonier teaching thing by uh, Robert Godfrey about evangelicalism and how much of it is, it's just so squishy because it's like, all right, we got Jesus. Okay, we're good. Mm -hmm. Um, You don't have anything about, you know, what's your stance on baptism? Uh, Because, you know, Presbyterians and Baptists are going to have differing opinions and Lutherans for that matter, you know, even, even between those two. Um, so it's, it's, Hey, you reform people stop talking about election. You Baptists stop talking about believers baptism. You Presbyterians stop talking about the way you think about covenant theology and on and on and on. And it basically boils down Christianity to a very, very bare minimum. And you effectively lose any real distinctives, which you know, if if you take it to the extreme logical conclusion, uh, you end up with accepting you know stuff like word of faith theology yeah. just because. Well, they say Jesus. You know, that's and obviously that's not to say that every broadly evangelical church will accept things like the word of faith or new apostolic reformation or whatever. Of course, but not. It, it it leaves you more vulnerable to exactly things, when you don't have like that. when you don't have something like a unifying set of confessions or uh, uh, such as the Westminster or the 1689 or the, the book of Concord uh, mm-hmm. or, or, or what it, whatever it may be. Um, or even, or even a, a very strongly worded statement of faith. Exactly. For your church. And, yeah. and that's, you don't have to go several hundred years ago to get something good. For sure. I mean, this, this which a lot of people are surprised. I just said that <laughs> I'm not, <laughs> we've made a connection. Um, Fair enough. So the, what I want to reinforce here is we're, is we're not saying that confessional documents and creeds and catechisms and, and all that stuff take the place of Scripture um, or, or serve as a norm or, or anything like that. Um, what we're getting at is that these creeds, these confessions, these catechisms have been brought out of Scripture as a summary right. and description of Scripture itself, using Scripture itself, exegetical description of doctrine and theology that we then use as a rubric to measure our practice within the church, our teachings and practice. So that's what we're getting at. Um, anyways, right. if, you, if you're going, if you're going to wholesale throw out every confession, then you have to throw out sermons too. Yeah, you have to also throw out any book. That's been helpful to you, et cetera, et cetera. You know, mm-hmm. if if Scripture is the sole authority, and it is, and then that means that you can't have any confessions <laughs> that summarize the teaching of Scripture, then well, everything's out except reading the Bible, for sure. And and the you know the the idea is that you know we we use systematics to come up with these with these confessions yep. to, to make them yep. easier to teach and easier to unify around um, 
And, uh, you know, the, the only reason this comes up is, once again, with this whole joyfully Lutheran thing, is that often the confessions seem to be, and, and it could just be my priest, you know, kind of my, uh, um, uh, what's the presupposition, I guess, that there are people there who hold more to the confessions and they're teaching there than actually receiving from Scripture what it has to teach us. And so that's, that. Yep. you know, I, I think th- that whole thing is just culminated into a, uh, a Christian identity crisis or a denominational identity crisis, to be more succinct. Uh, sure. Anyway, so once that was done, I uh, um, continued my epic road trip from Tampa um, back up to eastern Iowa, where my parents live, uh, to pick up my uh, two boys, my, my, the older of my three children, uh, who were hanging out with my parents for a week to give the wife a break, um, which was kind of my, uh, hey, I'm going to go to NAM uh, and then be gone for another week on top of that. But I'm going to take care of the kids, so you don't have to worry about it. <laughs> um, but then I guess our two-year-old became uh, just, uh, just an absolute two-year-old while I was away. <laughs> so, um, Which is to be expected. Yes. It is. Uh, anyways, so swang up to uh, Comanche, Iowa, where my parents live, and uh, hung out there for about a day and a half, and then went to worship at their church, um, St. John Lutheran in Clinton, Iowa, uh, yesterday morning. Uh, we're recording this on Monday, so it was yesterday morning uh, from mm-hmm. our point of view, uh, which is a, a traditional liturgical uh, worship service, which always serves as a great opportunity uh, to uh, to teach your kids and to teach others, for that matter, in a in a different way. Um, sometimes you need to uh, you need to see something different to be like, hey, this is cool too, and I can learn from this as well. Uh, they have very yep. ornate stained glass that uh, that go through uh, the chief parts of the catechism, for instance, and, and things like that. And uh, at the end, we uh, we went up, and we have a pipe organ at our church at Christ Lincoln too. But um, we uh, took up, uh, uh, took the kids up, and went into the balcony. And and one of the volunteers there, John, took uh, uh, took the boys into the Winchester and the swell cabinet uh, for the pipe organ while I played. And it was oh, really <laughs> it was really cool for them seeing the bellows moving up and down. Uh, but, Seriously, uh, but Pastor Poole um, is the is the pastor at uh, St. John Clinton, and uh, preached on uh, the uh, the idea of teaching us to pray from Luke 11, uh, diving into a bit of the Lord's Prayer uh, and how when we pray a prayer, uh, we're not trying to convince God to change His mind. We are praying that our will and our mind may be changed yep. in alignment with yep. his. And we'll get to that in a little bit. So, Cody, what did you do at worship this Sunday? So I played electric. Uh, nothing nothing insane happened. Uh, you know, I didn't hit any horrifically wrong notes as far as I'm aware. Um, <laughs> uh, we played uh, Psalm 34 uh, by Shane. Well, originally by God um, and, then, and then by Shane and Shane. Um, which, which is just such a fun song. I've talked about it before mm-hmm. with, you know, such, such a bluesy feel and that kind of stuff. I, you know, uh, Shane and I'm, Shane I'm, is just solid. Like, yeah. So yeah. good. Shane and Shane, say no more. Mm-hmm. Um, so we finished up our, um, our You Asked For It series that we've been doing this month, uh, yesterday, um, before we jump back into plowing through Romans verse by verse. Um, so we'll start in Romans 9 next week. Boy, howdy, we're going to have some fun. But uh, Keith, uh, one of our pastors, got saddled with the with the two hardest questions where, you know, listeners uh, to the last week's podcast know that he talked about the whole LGBT issue, etc. And so the question this week was regarding politics. Um, but the question, you know, so it's it's answering the question. It's not, hey, give me what my political stances should be, because even within, you know, a left-right spectrum, say you're more on the right side of the spectrum, there's still going to be discussions about things. Um, so the question was, can I still be a good Christian if I don't vote for Donald Trump and support the Republican Party? Um, where apparently, you know, it seems to me that whoever asked that question was probably told that, uh, regardless of their party affiliation, whether they're independent or Democrat or libertarian, whatever, they were probably told that 
um, by, you know, they're probably told that they weren't a very good Christian <laughs> for not supporting, quote unquote, God's anointed man what? and Donald Trump. In the American South? God. <laughs> right. Seriously. <laughs> um, so, so it was mostly about, hey, we don't need to be billboards for a political agenda. What we need to be billboards, billboards for is Jesus. Absolutely. And then allow, allow that to influence our political stances. Um, so handled, handled very well. And I told him so much, um, because we've, you know, that's one of the great things about, about being at resurrection church in Greer, South Carolina is I've had discussions regarding politics, disagreeing with several people, and then they don't treat you any differently. Yeah. You know, they don't, they don't treat you like the black sheep. Absolutely. Now, you know, that, that brings up another, another observation, uh, a couple, one, one serious, one uh, immaterial from, uh, from convention. One is uh, at, like, every gas station in the southeast, I can find hot-boiled peanuts. Oh, my gosh. Yes. 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 If you've never Welcome had the a South. hot-boiled peanut, <laughs> it's the best thing. If you are north... Try to find a bandana's barbecue. They have it on their uh, on their menu. Anyways, um, one thing that became really apparent uh, during the uh, during the convention was people would get tired of discussion. Sometimes even after one question. And our standing rules say that after a motion has been brought to the floor by a delegate or by committee, um, there must be at least uh, one speaker, whether it be pro or con, before someone can call the question. That is, say, hey, can we vote to end debate? Um, So often people would be the second one at the mic and be like, I move to call the question. And and I get it. We have a lot of business to go along. But they're not – I don't think that in most cases they were doing it uh, as a public service. Um, I mean, we, we stuck to our orders of the day and, and stuff like that. You know, Robert's Rules of Order are very, uh, very clear on how to, how to do a meeting. And uh, I, it was really disheartening, especially in some, some discussions that, that really have a lot to do with uh, the work and care of our, of our pastoral ministries. Um, things like uh, uh, affirming... Uh, church fellowship with uh, with some international churches and things, people would move to call the question. It just a squelch discussion, and mm-hmm. you know I understand. Like I'm tired of sitting too, sitting for you know eight hours a day. But for Pete's sake, if we can't discuss, what's yep. you know what's the point? And to your you know to your idea of of being thankful that you can have those discussions with everyone coming out on the other side just fine. Uh, you know, that's really what we ought to strive for. And, you know, once yep. again, uh, kind of the broken record thing on the podcast is relationships. I mean, you have those relationships. And so you know, when you have a discussion, it's, uh, it's healthy, it's constructive. And, uh, and I don't think that we should squelch discussion just because of some uncomfort. We should talk it out. Uh, and, and so, you know, that's the benefit of, uh, of having open discussions is, is we're able to grasp uh, things better ourselves or, or help our neighbors grasp things as well. So uh, some final thoughts there. What's next on the docket, my dear friend? Man, so uh, we'll just, I won't even try and segue. Yeah, just do it. <laughs> but yeah, well, so Josh Harris, we're going to talk about that. Um, you know, that's kind of hit the fan here in the last couple of weeks, and it's it's you know really sad. We'll talk about some nonsense that Bethel put out yep. uh, just to get our main show topics uh, out there. So, uh, what was it? Two weeks ago or so? No, I think it says one week on did. Instagram. Yeah, it wasn't that uh, long ago. Right. So the first post uh, was Josh Harris of. Um, whether it's fame or infamy of I guess dating goodbye, he he wrote that book, which kind of took Christendom by storm in the late nineties and mm-hmm. early two thousands. Uh, he later repudiated the material in the book, and uh, he actually relatively recently resigned as a pastor. 
Yeah. Um, you know, basically purged his Instagram of pretty much anything until the last year, um, and has been doing the whole branding storytelling kind of thing. Uh, so, you know, week or so ago, he posts about how he and his wife are separating, but they're going to continue as friends. And then that gets followed up, uh, you know, really recently yep. uh, with Josh Harris repudiating the gospel itself. Uh, basically just saying, hey, I'm not on board with this anymore. Um, and I, and one of the, probably the saddest thing uh, that he said in that was, to my Christian friends, I am grateful for your prayers don't take it personally if I don't immediately return your phone calls. I can't join in your mourning. I don't view this moment negatively. I feel very much alive and awake and surprisingly hopeful. Hmm. Ugh. Like, that, that ought to punch you in the gut, man. Uh, seeing, seeing the likes of Josh Harris uh, fall, fall so hard, and uh, yeah, sucks. I mean, we've, we've had these kind of episodes before, but they're always worth talking about, not in the sense that we want to bash the guy or make him look like crap, but, you know, we need to make sure we're guarding our hearts. Exactly. That we're actually, that we're actually you know, relying on God and, and pushing into what he's revealed about himself and how consistent it is. Because exactly. one, of, one, of one of his big objections um, uh, to the Christian faith, ultimately, um, was... Uh, second paragraph, I am learning that no group has the market covered or cornered on grace. This week I've received grace from e- from Christians, atheists, evangelicals, ex-evangelicals, straight people, LGBTQ, L- whatever, people, and everyone in between. Of course, there's also been strong words of rebuke from religious people. And then he goes on. Um, but I specifically want to add to this list now to the LGBTQ plus community. I want to yep. say that I'm sorry for the views that I taught in my books and as a pastor regarding sexuality. Like this is, it's not even just, Hey, I'm, I'm shifting theological allegiances. Yeah, and it's, it's, you're, it's, you're repenting of scripture almost. Um, yeah. You were, yeah. You were, I mean, the reason I say that for some of our listeners, repent means to turn and, He's turning his back on, on not only his uh, his faith uh, emotionally and, and historically, but also or, or lack thereof, uh, perhaps, um, but also uh, because of politics or relationships or or, or whatever it may be, uh, turning away from what is clearly presented in Scripture. And yeah, we we get it. It's, it's difficult sin. When you are convicted of it is difficult, and it's even more difficult to convict somebody else of it. Um, but that's why we rely on scripture and and fear that for those I, I never read that book personally, and so I can't speak to the content therein. Uh, but for those of you who who did, um, you know some encouragement would be remember that even the best books, relating to our lives in Christ must rely on Scripture. And that is how we must measure everything. And if you were disheartened uh, by the author's fall or backsliding or, or whatever your particular flavor likes to call it, um, if the original text correctly and uh, uh, you know appropriately uh, espouses scripture, then uh, then there's nothing wrong with the original text, I guess. But I can't say that either way. Um, and uh, and and once again, just because it, if this were one of your favorite authors, just because he's one of your favorite authors or or your previous pastor or even your best friend, mm-hmm. don't follow him into the darkness because of that relationship. Because of that, that fan relationship, even don't follow him. Follow Christ, because Christ will. Christ guides us along that path, not anybody else. And God uses right. so, God uses other people to guide to guide us as well. But uh, but always, always through the power of the, of the Spirit and uh, in Christ Himself. 
One one thing I think does need to be addressed is is the notion of deconstruction, mm. uh, where where deconstruction isn't necessarily a bad thing. Uh, if you've been raised with a certain set of beliefs, it it does help to analyze and look at every facet of that down to I mean you know strip the building down to the to the studs you know Absolutely. right, uh, but. But you have to build something. You can't just leave it there. Yeah. You can't just tear the thing down and walk away. You still need that. a structure there. Um, where and, I, and, and, and I to think be fair, deconstruct the logical end of deconstruction isn't tearing everything down and then picking your favorite pieces out of the rubble. Yes, it's tearing yes. everything down and thinking about why each piece did what it did and why it was there. It's, it's not about um, mm-hmm. picking and choosing what you like. I mean, that's, that's, a, that's a completely different issue and, and different topic, which there I think was we'll a, also um, talk about today. Yeah, there was a, a really good interview on – I don't listen to uh, the Bad Christian Podcast very much anymore. You know, it, it basically got to where – um, they were just, you know, ripping on the church and, you know, mm. basically apostatizing before your eyes. Uh, but they interviewed Chad Gardner of King's Kaleidoscope, okay. and he and he was talking about, you know, deconstruction. You know, you you do have to build something, and it has to stop at some point. You can't just keep deconstructing. Yeah, exactly. Where he he went he went through a period of a lot of doubt, a lot of deconstruction, but then he was like, oh yeah, this stuff is legit. At least as far as I could tell in the interview, mm-hmm. you know, and and he had even told the bad Christian guys like, all you're doing is ripping on the church and making things worse right now. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, you know they kind of moved along quickly from from that statement, but it was still really helpful. Of you know, you have to have some kind of foundation, and the foundation can't just be your feels. Yeah, uh, e- so. exactly. I mean, if you tear down a house, that foundation's still going to be there. And so uh, um, you know, the the. The foolish man built his house upon the sand. That old Sunday school song. Uh, you know, it's yeah. kind of, it's kind of that, or, or that, or that parable. Well, yes, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Also yeah, written originally bad. by God. Yeah. Also originally by God. Um, yeah. So, the, uh, so speaking of, uh, oh, speaking real of, quick, that that did remind me of. Oh uh, gosh. Yeah, I'm sorry. Sorry, I. Uh, um, uh, that reminded me of of a question that that had been popular for a while, especially while I was in college. It was, uh, you know, why in the context of, of Lutheranism, but this, this is, uh, aside from the, the previous rant on, uh, denominational identity, uh, <laughs> it's why are you Lutheran? Is it because your parents were Lutheran? Is it because you believe that Lutheranism is the correct, uh, exposition of scripture? You know, what is it? And you know those the answers to those sort of questions can come from healthy deconstruction. But yeah, that was yeah. it. Continue. Out of the five times I interrupted you. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the rains came tumbling down. Yeah. So uh, there was a a post shared to the group. Uh, to the podcast lounge, mm-hmm. it was uh, is uh, an Instagram post by Bethel. I don't know if it's still up, but it's a quote by Chris Valentin that says, "Quote: Prayer is an act of leadership, as it authorizes God to do His will on our planet." End quote. John, Ew. what do you make of that? Ew. <laughs> Remember that Jimmy Fallon thing? It was just like, Ew. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Ew. Um, like. It seems to be, I mean, without diving into it, because I, I saw this post. I mean, it was really just in the last couple of days um, that that we saw it from on on the group. I think, um, but then again, I've been traveling as well. Uh, the first thing I was like is like, or or thought is like, are you really taking the the Matthew account of the Lord's Prayer that out of context? In yep. that. Thy will be done. And we're not saying the context of the verse or the chapter or the book. The context of all of Scripture. When we say context, we mean the whole. And when, mm-hmm. when we pray, thy will be done, I, I cannot fathom 
from a historical literal method of interpretation how you could figure out that that in the prayer means or, or takes the place of some sort of incantation in which you say, God, uh, do your will. This is where you start and go, you know, as mm-hmm. granting permission to the sovereign most high. Right. God How, doesn't need your permission. <laughs> not <laughs> at least. all. In and, the least. And here's where this boils down. When, once again, thing we've talked about before, and we've talked about it before because it happens way too often, um, to, <laughs> way too often for what people consider to be a healthy church. And it's when you study Scripture, where in relation to Scripture are you standing? Are you standing underneath of it? receiving from it mm-hmm. and looking back at it to understand what you have received? Or are you standing on top of it, reaching down into it and grabbing what you wish, using and looking to yourself to interpret it? When you have a preconceived notion, when you have an idea of your own, you can look into Scripture and you can find, quote, justification for that. You can take something out of context. You could, shoot, if Moby Dick were Holy Scripture, you could look into that and find something. <laughs> yeah, know? seriously. So some, some Scripture references. Yes. Uh, Psalm 115.3, Our God is in the heavens. He does all that he pleases. Now, lest that be taken out of context and say, oh, well, that just means he does whatever he wants in heaven, and we have to usher that into earth. Uh, Psalm 135.6, whatever the Lord pleases, he does in heaven and on earth, in the seas and all deeps. Uh, you got Daniel 4.35, all the peoples of the earth are counted as nothing, and he does as he pleases with the army of heaven and the peoples of the earth. There is no one who can restrain his hand or say to him, what have you done? Or you can even look at the, uh, the uh, very first statement of the Great Commission being Jesus saying, all authority on heaven and on earth has been given to me. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's just it's just that self-refuting. <laughs> if you're if you're informed by scripture in the least, um the the canceling out what God has for you uh just completely blows up. There's just no basis for it. Mm-hmm. I think we can leave it there really. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I, I I don't I don't think there's there's any additional need to uh uh, to beat that beat that dead horse, um, and the thing that that really confuses me as well is in that quote it begins with prayer is an act of leadership, and like leadership in in that you are leading the Most High to do His thing, like what mm-hmm. what I uh, oh church come Lord Jesus come quickly yep. All right, let's uh, take a break here and go on to the Inquisition, shall we? Does God run out of patience? How do we bridge the gap between understanding and application of Scripture? How do I deal with my kids who have left the faith? Does God forget our sin? Join the discussion on all these topics and more on the All 7 Days podcast, where Stan, who also happens to be my dad, and Trevor take your questions and answer them from the perspective of a couple of church members just having a discussion about spiritual matters. Subscribe to the All 7 Days podcast today on Apple, Google, Spotify, Overcast, or your other favorite podcast listening platform, and check out all7days.com. And our Inquisition quest- questions for Have you this listened week. to the Inquisition theme song yet? Like, no. Oh, <laughs> I told you I don't listen to this. I know you this. don't listen to it. I was there. 
<laughs> okay, I'll go back and listen to last yeah, week just, so I can just hear find the you know where the where the middle point is, and it's it's just yeah. it's just ever so slightly epic. Um, yeah. Oh, also, uh, before we get into, uh, unless you were planning on uh, answering the question of why we call it the Inquisition, are you? Uh, did you see that one? Yes. Okay. All right. Yeah. So that was that was from Kenneth Ledford. Yes. Uh, I, right I, I coach I coach baseball with Kenneth. Oh, that's awesome. I've known him forever. That's so, fantastic. Yeah. So I actually got a a different question from him that he texted to me, mm. and he's he's meaning to be facetious, but I'm going to turn it right back on him. <laughs> nice. Uh, so so would Jesus hit a home run or sacrifice bunt? Oh my goodness. So uh. Jesus understands advanced statistics and that on-base percentage and slugging percentage matter significantly more than giving up outs. So Jesus would hit the home run, which is what he did even in his sacrifice on the cross. Oh, what? Boom. <laughs> <laughs> Got him. <laughs> so you're welcome, Kenneth. Uh, so, would you like to uh, explain to Kenneth and any other new listeners why we call the Q and A the Inquisition? Uh, well, partially uh, because, especially because you're the Lutheran, well, so you're closer to the Reformation. <laughs> yeah. um, well, in part because I was I was being cheeky, and uh, you know, as yes. as those of you familiar with the Westminster family of uh, of guitar effects and things like that, we we like to be cheeky, uh, Cody. Uh, as the as the uh, the brains behind that operation and me just talking about it, it you know we we enjoy uh, we enjoy uh, tongue in cheek uh, kind of uh, uh, wink wink nudge nudge know what I mean know what I mean humor and uh, the Inquisition uh, was a part in the church's uh, history uh, where. It was a witch hunt. <laughs> it was a heretic hunt. Pretty much. Um, it was a heretic hunt. Uh, those of you familiar with Monty Python, the Spanish Inquisition, nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. Um, and, uh, <laughs> you know, pretty much, pretty much that. You know, it, it really has no deeper significance than that. Otherwise, other than being inquisitive means questioning, and this is our question and answer session, and, uh, and uh, you know... Uh, it, it's it's just good old church humor. Maybe one day we'll have a have a crusade or, or, or something like you know if we if we want to go, I don't know. <laughs> we have a segment where well, we just bash people, but I, I don't think we're that that deluded yet that we're that we're going to have not a yet, crusade not yet. section. Uh, wait till episode one hundred. Fun fact. Fun fact: I I am a graduate of North Greenville University in Tigerville, South Carolina, and even though they were a Southern Baptist school. Their mascot is the Crusaders. <laughs> do with that what you will. I, I still don't know what to do with it. Um, next question. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, Drew Smizer, two-parter regarding divorce. When Jesus says, "What God has brought together, let not man let man not separate," uh, does that imply that there are marriages that God hasn't brought together? Hmm. Interesting question. I don't. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, even you know God in His sovereignty, you know, directs all of the uh, all of the activities of man, as as pretty much every reformationally minded confession says, right? Yeah. I mean, I, I guess I guess you know it would bring up some you know some questions about uh, you know it kind of relies and hinges on on our understanding of of free will. You know, Luther was uh, free will and all things that are not salvific. Um, sure, sure. You know, and, and and how that fits in. You know, we've all seen uh, seen stories, or or uh, even probably family members in some cases who have gotten uh, gotten married under the influence of some uh, uh, some substance. You know, went out to Vegas and uh, went to the little white wedding chapel <laughs> and got married by an Elvis impersonator. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know. And, and I suppose this this in some way uh, begs the question: Is there a difference between uh, societal legal marriage and Christian marriage? And uh, I I don't think there there should be ideally, but right. I think there's there's definitely precedence to consider that. I and, you know I think this is something that is out of my wheelhouse of uh, of uh, you know kind of 
expertise or, or even awareness. I, I really haven't studied, uh, you know, the, the doctrine of the origination of marriage all that much. Um, but, you know, if you call to Christ to bless your marriage, you know, in, in the teaching that we just talked about on prayer, you know, we are, are essentially um, praying that our, our relationship, our will, our activities uh, may be bound to that of what Christ would have us do. And, uh, and, right. and in that case, uh, in the case of Christian marriage, then perhaps, uh, then perhaps there are no marriages that Christ has not brought together. However, uh, in the case of legal kind of social marriage, uh, you know, that may throw a wrench into the works. I just don't have the answer for that. Good question, though. Let, mm-hmm. you know, that, that's a, it's, yeah. a, it's a thinker. Yeah, it is. It is. Um, his follow-up uh, regarding the latter part of Luke sixteen eighteen: uh, Everyone who divorces his wife and marries another commits adultery, and the one who marries a woman divorced from her husband commits adultery. Uh, so his hypothetical is, say... A non-believing couple gets married, has kids, divorces. Later on, the wife becomes a Christian and remarries. Uh, she remarries a believer. Is that second husband living in adultery then? Hmm. <laughs> I don't. I don't. I don't think that would really. Yeah, we might just have to re-ask that for Bradley. Yeah, you know that that <laughs> seems like something that that would have some benefits with some some pastoral uh, wisdom behind it. Um, you know the the general teaching of of modern churches, um, you know, not not Roman Catholicism, of course. They they have very uh, you know very strict um, and right. disqualifying rules uh, for for divorce. Uh, the general understanding is if there has been a covenant broken. Uh, between man and wife, in which uh, usually boils down to uh, um, to infidelity, uh, that would be potentially grounds once reconciliation has been attempted um, to uh, to end end that marriage, um, and if that covenant between man and wife has been broken and nullified. Uh, then potentially, then potentially, no, it, it wouldn't implicate that second husband. Uh, as that, uh, but also, uh, and don't take this as uh, as scripture. Certainly not. Don't take this as uh, as me giving you advice to uh, you know punt the lady in the other room you don't like to the curb. Um, but Luther, <laughs> you know, Luther's teaching was uh, you know one of his taglines was uh, you know sin boldly. Uh, it, 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 you know it was, and, um, but then rejoice even more boldly in the grace of God. Um, mm-hmm. You know, or or also in, in the same vein, err on the side of grace. Um, but of course, you know, should we continue sinning so that grace may abound? By no means. Uh, so yeah, correct. Um, that was just a bunch of word salad. We'll wait for Bradley to finish up that question. But thank you for asking that. That's yes. uh, I, I think those are. Those are important questions to ask, um, not just for their practicality, mm-hmm. but they can take those of us who are in healthy marriages to also dive deeper into Scripture to find these answers uh, and to better our understanding of marriage and how it represents Christ in the church and how we are to reflect that uh, to our wives and husbands. Respectfully, of course, not like yep. both. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So, uh, Ben Horton Uh, We might do one more after this one. Uh, Do you think cultural environment has anything to do with one's ability to worship? For example, do you think a believer would find it easier to worship in an environment most similar to his own culture? And and is that something we should recognize as church leaders? Or should we be more adamant that believers should be more flexible to culture in order to worship better? Brings to mind the worship wars and international missions. Uh, So the answer to that is yes. (laughs) Um, of course of course culture influences how we worship Um, you can even look at uh, musical scales where they are significantly different in the west compared to somewhere like India or even Uh, uh, even even clapping uh, to a a rhythm clapping to a song uh, one and three or two and four and uh, right when uh, when our Uganda team came back, um, our previous worship leader is still um, the 
uh, I think, believe the chairman of the board uh, for the Hope Center Uganda, when he came back for the first time, it's like, they clap on one and three. I had no, I didn't know what to do. I got, it, <laughs> you know, he, was, he was just stunned. Um, you know, the worship wars were the first thing that, that popped up as well. Uh, and I, Cody, I absolutely agree with you, you know, as, as our listeners may have imagined, go figure, um, that, uh, that culture does play a part, that culture is important because culture uh, helps shape how we communicate, both receptively and, uh, and externally. Um, when we take a look at what worship is, in that we receive gifts from God, uh, and we use those gifts to return praise, thanks uh, back to Him, uh, that is done on the level of communication. And so there are circumstances where perhaps a pipe organ would not be the best musical accompaniment for Sub-Saharan Africa, for instance. Um, mm-hmm. Although I guarantee you that it's been tried, probably by someone who was joyfully Lutheran. Um, but <laughs> uh, you know, the the international mission mission field is 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 also something to uh, something to consider. We had a uh, our our pastor's brother actually a few weeks ago at church uh, is a missionary in uh, is it Costa Rica? I think it's Costa Rica. Uh, Long term missionary. Uh, came back up to you know do his annual you know family visits and uh, you know fundraising uh, opportunities and, and things like that uh, and he sang for us a song that that the children sing uh, down there and, and I don't remember the words mostly because it was in Spanish and you know I, I don't I speak Mexican restaurant fluently but I do not speak Spanish and uh, it was it was when he translated it it was beautiful. It was all about like submitting to God's will and asking God to show them the wonders that He has done. Mm-hmm. And I mean, this this is a this is a hurricane-torn, poverty-stricken nation, right? And you know what they're saying in the true sense of the term: "Thy will be done." Yeah, that's what they're saying, and that's Christianity. Yep. yep. Um, one one other aspect of this. Uh, that I think is is helpful is is there's a difference between being culturally appropriate and then entertaining goats. Mm. Um, there there's a big 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 difference in you know like that was a Newsboys song, wasn't it? Entertaining go- Oh no, it was Angels. That, and I think, it might, I think that might have been based on a Spurgeon quote <laughs> or something of the it, sort. It, it, but it was, there's, yeah. That was just a news. You know, there's, there, there are things that are cultural uh, that we have to reckon with that simply are not appropriate for worship. And obviously, you know, people are going to have different opinions about where that line is. Sure. You know, in the regulative normative debate or even within regulative and normative camps how far those go exactly um so that's something that uh discernment and wisdom is required absolutely i mean we have to take into account of course what scripture teaches upon worship spirit and truth there are many john piper sermons that i listen to on the desiring god uh podcast pages on my way on my epic road trip hey here's our piper here's reference, our piper reference. <laughs> um that uh, that discuss what worshipers of spirit and truth are uh, outside of that things be can can be considered uh to be adiaphora, neither commanded nor denied, but that which may be helpful when used with discernment and in context. Uh, so, yeah, give them Jesus, and uh, and do so yep. in a way that is uh, is effective and uh, respectful, and above all, relies upon Scripture and nothing else. You got anything to recommend for us this week? You know, I do, and it's actually a book, and I planned ahead, and I got it printed out over here. Would you like me to read it? Yes. Not the whole book, obviously. Like we're <laughs> we're kind of kind of up against it. Um, so in the uh, in the idea of prayer here, um, prayer has been uh, for whatever reason. Well, I say whatever reason uh, because it is what God would have me learn over the last two weeks has been a present. Uh, uh, a present point of thought and discussion uh, in uh, just over the last couple of weeks, uh, just you know why we pray, how to pray, the consistent you know the uh, uh, 
how often to pray, you know, that, that sort of stuff, what it does. And it's, it's apropos that today, you know, we are talking about, in part, the, uh, the Bethel nonsense or the, or the Louis Vuitton or whoever that is, his, his <laughs> you know, his, his bit that, uh, that prayer is somehow us, uh, incensing, uh, our, our God. And, and that's not obviously correct. Uh, so I'm going to recommend a book by Dietrich Bonhoeffer, uh, called Life Together. And uh, just a quick excerpt uh, from this. Prayer means nothing else but the readiness and willingness to receive and appropriate the word. And what is more, to accept in one's personal situation particular tasks, decisions, sins, and temptations. Submit to the will of God in all things. Life Together, Dietrich Bonhoeffer. Very good, very good. I got... Nothing this week. It's been a little crazy. That's right. Sorry. That's all right. Um, so. Let's see. I could recommend something for you. I yeah. That's a that's a new thought. Oh, hey, uh, you got a new Strat, didn't you? You got you got some sort of uh, some sort of thing on a trade. Yeah. What's going on with that? Yeah. Yeah. So um, basically, wifey and I got a steal at Guitar Center on a on a faded SG. You know, one of those yeah. mid two thousands models. Yep, and uh, it kind of has the, the rough for, finish on it. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So grabbed it for I, I believe it came out to like four fifty. Yeah, I think you so. sent me a picture for um, that. Yeah, 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 yeah. And she didn't. You know, this was basically meant to be a backup guitar for her that she'll actually play because she doesn't touch her backup guitar these days. Mm. Um, so she didn't. She didn't gel with it. Okay, fine, whatever. Um, so. You know, instead we, you know, listed that on Facebook, Craigslist, whatever, and a guy traded me um, an Epiphone Les Paul Standard Plus Top. Oh, nice! Uh, what color? Plus uh, blue. Mm, yeah, um, I know exactly the one you're talking about. I, plus I looked it on a wall PV Viper. Times. Yeah, plus <laughs> a PV Viper, plus an Orange Crush 35. Whoa! Uh, which which I am attempting to flip all of those at the moment. Um, but he also included, he said he was doing all this because, you know, he's just trying to clear out some gear because, sure. you know, he and his wife are expecting. So uh, it, it was easier for him to just clear all of this out in one transaction. <laughs> so, so he also included just a box full of, like, there's two Squire necks in there. There is um, a Squire Strat body, which is the one I was talking okay. about, as well as um, I'm pretty sure it's an Ibanez RG body, um, among other things <laughs> like loaded pit guards and all this kind of wow. stuff. Nothing you know terribly expensive or impressive, but you know stuff I can turn into a project. So the uh, the plan for this Strat is to put um, wide range pickups okay. into it. Nice, uh, probably from mojo tone Mm -hmm. the 72 clones that they have because those seem as far as i can tell to be probably the most authentic yeah i I could be i could be wrong i mean i'm sure there's a boutique builder out there who would beg to differ but as far as a um you know quick quick turnaround um you know value for dollar yeah i I think you're probably on par there so either either mojo tone maybe porter i can take a look at Mm -hmm. them um but but I've I've wanted a uh, I've wanted that flavor of guitar for a while, sure. um, you know it's it's popular in the P Dubs world mm-hmm. and even with metal I like surprising people, <laughs> um, <laughs> so you know I'm I'm still figuring out what I'm going to paint this and you know you know, and you know this what is, color this I'm going to paint this is turned more to a one on one conversation but you know shoot we're right. going to publish it. Um, your uh, your wife <laughs> has her own kind of uh, side business line uh, called Westminster Accents, does she not? Yes. Now, yes, she does. What if you know, so she does uh, uh, kind of uh, epoxy acrylic uh, painting on on pretty much any surface. You know, she's done cheese boards and has done wall canvases. My uh, my Piper V1 is. Uh, well, V one point five, I think, because it's the small form factor, is, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. is is covered in that. I wonder if she could do that on a guitar body. I bet she could. I'm sure she could, but that's not really my jam on guitars. For sure. Uh, yeah, I, I am a sucker for 
seeing the wood grain mm-hmm. and if I could help yeah. it. Like if if I knew if I knew this guitar didn't wasn't made out of like six pieces of wood. Yeah, good point. <laughs> I'd, I'd just strip it and you know have some kind of dyed finish. Mm. But I know that's not going to be the case. So I'm I'm trying to think of something classy, maybe like a slate gray or like a shoreline gold or something okay. like that. Well, so, hey, if you so are we'll listening and have the, suggestions for Cody. Make sure you put them in yeah. the uh, in the show comments. Um, also, uh, I oh shoot, this is going to be oh yeah. Uh, obviously, we're talking here. SGs can be played in worship. That's uh, that's really the uh, the bullet point for this entire episode, is it not? I play a flying V sometimes. Yeah, it's so. sitting right there on the wall. Now you guys can't see the video, but it's a beautiful Karina, isn't it? Well, that's that's actually. Uh, I'll just grab it off the wall. One second. So this is my very first real guitar. Okay. Uh, so I got this when I'd been playing for about a year and a half. Oh, that's I got right. your Gibbs Black used. or something like that, isn't it? No, this is this is the uh, faded SG. Oh, okay. Uh, or faded flying V. I'm sorry. Um, you see, it has the uh, crescent moon inlays from like the year or two that they did that. Yeah, for sure. Um, and you can. I don't know if you can see on the on the camera. It has no clear coat, so I've worn through the red on oh, the back of the awesome. neck there some. Um, so this this thing, I have beaten the crap out of this thing. It's been my main for since what 2002 or so. <laughs> right so on. the pickup the pickups aren't original. The pots aren't original. <laughs> um, the uh, the original pit guard got a crack in it, okay. and uh, so I replaced it with white perloid. Um, so it pops, but yeah, it's, you guys, you know, you it's guys that can't nice... see it. Maybe, maybe Cody will post a yeah. post a picture of it in the in the uh, Dexology yeah, Podcast should. Lounge. But it's a it's a pretty instrument. Uh, don't be uh, yeah, don't be afraid of what your tools look like. If uh, you know if people can go out and play three pay three thousand bucks for a guitar that looks like it's been through a wood chipper, and uh, nothing wrong with that. But if, <laughs> if they can do that, you can you can play an Explorer or a Flying V or a Firebird or a Fire yep. Chicken or. Or a meteora, or whatever the heck you want. Um, exactly. You know, um, even, even an SG. So even an SG, even or v. an SG, or, or as I had until a couple of months ago, a BC Rich Mockingbird. Oh <laughs> yes, that thing was fun. That thing played so nice, but I wanted to, I wanted to use those Lambertones I had in it yeah. for demos. And I didn't want to deal with people being like, "Why are you playing a mockingbird?" <laughs> I ain't got time for that. Yeah. So it's uh, uh, you know, th- those are the those are the really aggressive styled guitars that many of you have seen in the back left corner of a guitar center guitar wall. Yeah. Uh, but man, yeah. this thing was classy looking. Yeah, they're 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 they they have their place, but they're uh, they're pretty sick. Um, yeah. Yeah. Play, uh, play what's comfortable for you. Uh, in other, in other words, uh, somebody, somebody, go and uh, sponsor the podcast with like Buku Bucks because I need a Nutter guitar. Uh, Brian Nutter, uh, <laughs> former guitarist for Keith Urban, session player, uh, musician extraordinaire, hand builds uh, guitars. He was our neighbor at the Nam show uh, last week. Also, and, my also my neighbor at Summer Nam last year yes, too. So. Yep. And uh, he he builds. And he's these. a good he's a good Nam neighbor too. Yes, he is. <laughs> uh, unlike the other Nam neighbor, uh, which had a product that I loved, uh, but uh, demonstrators that I did not, nor personality that I enjoyed. But Bless if you are hearts. out there and have some coin and want to buy me a Nutter uh, guitar, uh, they're the most beautiful offset kind of space agey things, and I adore them. <laughs> Uh, so uh, buy one for me, or I guess I'll have to save up and just be sad uh, until that happens. Uh, but uh, speaking of support and uh, and all other things, Westminster Effects and Nose Pedal, Cody, where can they find that? What? This I mean, is your cue to wrap up the show. Yeah. Oh, dang it. Uh, yeah, you can follow us and comment on Facebook and Instagram. Just look up Westminster Effects. You can subscribe on iTunes and Spotify and leave a five-star review. As always buy your pedals from westminstereffects.com actually instead of doing that look for one of our dealers and buy from our dealers because that helps me out more believe it or not even though i don't get as much of the uh of the cut 
have dealers buy in bulk so they can put it in front of people and still have something to show someone else when that that one pedal gets bought. Uh, you can also support the show at anchor.fm where you can donate money to help us improve. Uh, as you can probably tell, this thing keeps sounding better because of stuff like that. So the first five people who pledge to donate $10 a month for a year get a Piper Drive version 2, and we have one more of those spots left. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to leave you with. We'll leave you with something. Thanks for listening. <laughs> Take it easy, everybody. Super pro. I love how I'm supposed to keep. You know, I'm supposed to keep up with your segues, but like you're not supposed to keep up with mine. Right. <laughs>